One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of Insane in the Membrane. Insane in the Membrane. Greetings one and all. The sun is shining, the birds are singing, things are opening up again, we're going back out. I've been in a, in a pub garden, the star of the east in Limehouse. Ah, what a, what a place, what a place. If you do find yourself in the Limehouse area, do go along. It is a sensational pub, let me tell you. It's wonderful things. Speaking of uh, wonderful things, well, we've got we've got a comedy show coming your way. We've, we've decided that, uh, you, we've, we're like, let's do it. So we're doing uh, Rich Wilson live at Dark Horse from a secret location. Uh, it's the Forum in Tunbridge Wells, but don't say that because it's shut. But we're outside of that very venue. There'll be about 25 people in the live audience, but you can buy tickets for the Facebook Live event that we were gonna, we're gonna stream it. Fire Facebook, fire Facebook Live. How about that? And early bird people, early bird people can buy a ticket for three ninety nine. So do that because they are limited. Those tickets are limited. So jump up and do that. May thirteenth is the day for that gig. We've got Jen Brister headlining. We've got Clinton Baptiste, um, the, uh, the the medium from uh, from Phoenix Knights, uh, aka Alex Lowe, top man. Amy Cooper and plus uh, someone else possibly they haven't confirmed yet. Still waiting to hear. But it'd be emceed by yours truly, one of the finest MCs in the land. I think you'll. Find and just so you know, this is not a gig where just comedians are just staring down the barrel of their laptops. This is an actual physical gig, proper stand-up comedy, under the under the fairy lights and the trees and the leaves and the wonderful night sky. Uh, it's going to be beautiful. You need to get your tickets. This is going to be this is a proper gig, We've done properly. And get this, it's all totally interactive with your comments. You can join us in the chat. Producer Paul will be sat to sat off stage or to the side of the stage. You know, we're not sure quite sure where he's going to be, but he's going to be amongst it. And he is going to keep an eye on the chat. I'll be referring to him every now and again. What's going on in the chat, Paul? And he's going to let me know. So you're involved in the gig. You can heckle. How about that? Get on that. Um, and so that's 13th of May. That's a Thursday at 7.30. Uh, get your tickets. Early bird tickets now. They're $3.99. Do that and you won't be disappointed. Links for everything I've been pushing on you are in my bio. Uh, just click on that, it's a link tree. It will take you to wherever you need to be. Everything will be listed. And check the episode details for this podcast. Also, before we get into this week's episode, I just wanna say a big thank you to our brand new Patreon, Steve Sargent. Oh yes, welcome aboard the good ship Insane in the Membrane, Steve Sargent. Lovely to have you on board. Thank you for your support. Thank you to all of our patrons for your lovely support. Welcome aboard, Steve Sargent. So that's done with all the selling and the pushing. There's so many things to push. I'm sorry to bring it to you. There's also my Soros Theatre show. That's on the 20th and 21st of May. Tickets available now. Buy those tickets. I've got two nights to sell the bloody tickets. 60 nights, 60 tickets on each. Grab them, bloody grab them. Let's stop selling stuff and get onto the fact that we're here for one reason and one reason only. That's to talk about mental health with our fun, wonderful guest. We got there. This is what happens, like you just, Everyone, you've got, to try, you've got to plug all these things, get people involved, and then you know, then you can do wonderful things like this podcast. And oh, I'm not complaining now. I'm not complaining. It's nice to be busy, isn't it? It's lovely to be busy. No one's complaining. Come on. This week's guest, talking about being busy, Dave Fulton. He's lived a life. Not only is he a stand-up comedian, but he's also a, um, a, a world-class trombonist. And that's not a euphemism. He's a brilliant. He's, and the thing is with Dave, when you, when you meet him, you see his comedy, you hear his comedy, he talk, he's quite sort of masculine. They talk about, you know, he, he builds motorbikes and he goes and he climbs ice, frozen f- ice fountains and he 
does all these, he does like, he's does out and about, I know he's manly, uh, sort of escapades, but he plays the trombone beautifully. And he's a really beautiful man, he's a sensitive soul, we've spent a lot of time together, I adore his company, we, we chat on the phone and we, and we just, it's just great, he's just a great dude. And so it was great to have him on to talk about his life, uh, where he, you know, growing up in Idaho in America, and then um, coming over here, and then uh, talking about, and then, now, and then they've adopted a son, and uh, I got to see his son as well, because we, we were doing it via Zoom, so his son kept coming in the room, and he go, oh man, beautiful, beautiful, and it's, it's a beautiful thing, and he's, you know, he's, he loves being a dad, and he's been doing, he's been telling us what he's been doing during the lockdown and things like that, and it's really nice to really have a, a proper chat with him. Um, and, and he told there's some great stories as well, a couple of times when he's, he's, his near-death experiences that I didn't see coming. We were kind of like talking about other stuff and then like towards the end, you know, like, oh, this happened. You're like, what? why didn't you open with that? Why didn't you open with that? You're an experienced stand-up comedian. You should be opening with that. <laughs> you bet, yeah. But it was great stories. You're going to really enjoy this chat. So listen, we've, we've, we've wasted enough of your time with all the adverts and this and that and the other. Do you know what? Coming up in a bit, it's Dave Fulton. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A podcast from producer Paul.co.uk. Well, my son's going to roll in here after three and ruin everything, but the wife will keep him busy. That's all right, man. We, we, this so. is the beauty of doing these things from our houses, you know? Yeah, Life happens. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Are you actually in the studio, Rich? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm in the okay. sound booth. So he's out there, I'm in here. So it's all, we're out the way of each other. It's all socially distant and all that. Yeah, I'm fucking tired of it. Really I'm done. Fucking, yeah. I'm just bored. Yeah. How much time have you spent on your own? Yeah, so. Yes. Wearing shoes with like little fucking fingers for your toes. <laughs> uh, it's that, it's that shit. And by the way, there's no introduction to this, so we can edit out anything we say. Thanks, this is Paul. it, which is this is us getting into it. It's uh, I, I was watching, I watched that uh, documentary about the Cecil Hotel about the, the girl that got found in the water tank. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My, I've been watching that. You know, I lived in LA from '91 to '95, and. Right. I knew a little bit about this. I knew the Cecil existed. I knew it's not the place you want to go unless you want to rent a room by you know the hour. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Fortunately, I've never lasted an hour, <laughs> so I think I would probably get a discount. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just can I go? Can I go up in the lift <laughs> once? That's as far yeah. as I get. <laughs> well, it was a joke I, I did years ago. Going a, uh, my wife goes. Uh, yeah, you have to put this conditioner in your hair and leave it in there for three minutes. Can you find something to do in the shower for three minutes? I'm like, can I? She's like, okay, then what are you going to do for the other two? <laughs> I'm going to bring that one back. Yeah, it's a good one, man. Yeah. <laughs> Mind you, you're getting older now, so it'll probably take you a bit longer to crank it up. You know, ah, you know what's weird? I mean, you know, I've been riding, I ride my bicycle almost every day uh, for exercise and, and um, uh, keep the cardio up. And, um, you know, it, it's funny because yeah, 
the, when you go to the doctor and they go, well, I've got something to this and that. And they always ask you the three questions. Are you, um, is there blood in your poo? Um, are you losing weight? Are you tired? And I'm like, uh, I'm an eight year old son. I'm always tired. Uh, there's no blood in my poo. I don't even like, you know, pickled beets. And then no, I, um, uh, I, I'm fine. I'm not losing weight, yeah. you know? So, uh, yeah. It says, matter of fact, I, I gained, uh, I was keep my weight pretty much in check, you know, during the lockdown stuff. And then at the beginning of this year, I discovered, uh, Welsh cakes. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was kind of breaking up that monotony with uh, clotted cream scones. <laughs> yeah. Just pushing and, cement into your arteries. Just, Oh uh, uh, yeah. Well, it's just kind of, you know, Oh my God, what are we going to do with this extra kilo? Oh, here we go. Let's put it on, on your, on your ass. There we go. There <laughs> we go. Right, right, right on your middle section. Oh, look, your pants don't fit. Oh yeah. That's why. <laughs> yeah. But it's true though. Isn't it? It's like, I mean, I, I'm not one. I, I, I should love going to the gym, but I don't really love running around in the streets and, and jogging and things like that. And, and, but, it, but you have to do something. It's like a car, isn't it? If you, if you just leave your car just sat, not moving, it starts to break down. It starts to just yeah. fall apart. And that's what you have to do. If you, if you just have to keep that, the friction that keeps you together. You have to keep that going in some way, yeah. shape or form. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's um, you know, eat the vegetables, eat. Uh, for some reason, I'm really on an apple kick. I love eating like a couple of apples every day. Yeah, right. Nice. I don't know why. And, it's just easy, um, isn't it? Just done. Yeah, and then um, and then I throw the cores at um, at squirrels. Just fucking bam. <laughs> just to just to get it out of my system. Yeah. And they're gray squirrels, so they're American squirrels. So I feel even better. You know, so it's fine. Yeah, you know, I I can't do anything about gun control, but I can huck apple cores at American gray squirrels while I'm in England. Because <laughs> so, you, you grew up in Idaho, didn't you? That's yeah, that's, yeah, North Idaho, North Idaho, North Idaho. Yeah. So what was yeah, that right like? now, right now, Idaho has more moving vans going to it than any other state in the union. Really? Just Everybody's that's... moving there. Uh, white people from California and Texas and Western Washington. Trying to escape the you know the liberal horde as they say, and they're moving into my hometown, where five years ago you could buy a two bedroom one bath house in downtown that was built for the workers in the twenties, for you know maybe seventy grand, eighty grand, yeah, right. and uh, now they're going for six hundred. Fuck. Yeah, Fuck. and um, I just found out from my real estate buddy that um, people are, are selling, you know, their houses in California for a couple million bucks. And then there's no houses in my ne neck of the woods, but they don't care. They're just moving up and they're staying in a hotel until, you know, something comes on the market. Yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I saw um, Kyle Kinane. Uh, he's one of my favorite comics and he's just moved out of LA. He's gone, I think he's in Portland, Portland, Oregon, maybe. Yeah, um, I heard that. Um, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Portland's interesting. Portland has got... It's got everything. Portland. I had some friends of mine live in Portland, and they said it. It was it used to be really cool, liberal. It was kind of if you wanted to be cool, you lived in Seattle. If you're done being cool, you moved to Portland. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <right>. and <laughs> um, you get older. Yeah, yeah. And Portland used to have a uh, this really cool place called the um, uh, the First Church of Elvis Presley, and you could right. get married there, and um, it was kind of fun. But uh, money came into the area, and people who have money don't like people with purple hair. And yeah. so they started controlling that narrative. And then there's something called uh, years ago, it's called the Oregon Citizens Alliance, OCA. And they were going to these little towns in Oregon and passing these local kind of laws. It's made it illegal for gay people to hold office. Wow. And it was totally unconstitutional. But the laws, you know, these little laws got passed because there was no gay people in these little towns. Yeah, and yeah. um and in the end, the, the little family that started the OCA, they embezzled millions. And I think some are in jail now or something like that. But so, I mean, that's the thing. I'm like, Idaho, Idaho's got a lot of crazy fucking people. I mean, <laughs> seriously, the only reason they're in Idaho is because Florida was too long a drive. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I mean, it was, I mean, in Idaho, you could legally marry a woman at 14. Fuck. If she, if you have her parents' consent or the consent of a judge, and they pa passed that law, and they kept that law in the books, it came up for you know they're looking at it again in 2019, and they st it stayed on the books. And one of the reasons it stayed on the books is they felt if you could get married at 14, that would be 
their way of maybe stemming teenage pregnancy. <laughs> and uh, wow. yeah, also Idaho leads the nation in um, uh, wrongful deaths of juveniles due to uh, um, what is it uh, neglect because of religious beliefs. Shit, at last count, at last count, there was over 150 children that died as a result of their parents' religious beliefs, and they their parents were brought up on charges. It was like a misdemeanor. It was just down to religious beliefs, and uh, they tried to pass a law to make that uh, like you know involuntary manslaughter. Yeah, and and that law failed. They uh, that didn't get passed. Wow, man. So yeah, Idaho's weird. Also, I mean, there's open carry. You can walk around carrying a gun. You can do that in a lot of states. Oh, um, but you were growing up, we never did that. We never, we never carried guns. We thought it was silly. But all the people who moved in have carried guns. And I, yeah, I saw someone the other day. They put up a picture of there was someone in a queue at Starbucks or a coffee shop where he was, and he's got his massive rifle strapped to his back. Yeah, yeah. And they yeah. were saying like, they, they were going like, right, I, I have to decide if this guy in front of me is just carrying that, you know, because it's the law. You know, he's, he can carry it's open carry. Or if he's going to go fucking nuts if he doesn't get the right coffee. I have to decide that. I have to. And it's yeah, not yeah. cool, man. Yeah, that whole thing, like, I have the right to bear arms. Well, I have the right not to be shot. Yeah, you. and terrified you when know. you're walking around in front of me. Yeah, I mean, I um, when I was home, last time I was home was October uh, 2019, and there was a guy at um, at Lowe's Hardware, which is like a B&Q. And I looked over, and he had a Glock, Glock 17, looked like a Glock 17, mm. strapped to him. And I did the double take like that. And he saw me looking, and I just looked and looked again, and, and then looked away. And he goes, "Problem?" I'm like, "No, man. If you like Glocks, it's all you." Fuck me. And he goes, uh, "Hey, most reliable handgun out there." Well, if you say so, I can't I can't argue with somebody who's got a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he kind of kind of laughed, you know. And uh, I said, "Just not my call." And he goes, "Oh yeah, what'd you carry?" And I'm like, "None of your business." Yeah. You know. <laughs> but it's that attitude. It's that straight away they're on the defensive. And you yeah. Know, you, oh yeah. You yeah. Know it's fucking stupid to carry that around. Yeah. Yeah. It's just you. It's just you with your fucking gun porn, wanting to, you know. Well, it's funny. All the people I grew up with, they don't do that. And um, it's. I went into the local uh, uh, sporting goods store. It's called Black Sheep, and they're great. I mean, Black Sheep is great. They have everything. They have workwear. They have boots. They have fishing gear. They have camping gear. You know, they have and they have guns. They have a lot of guns, everything, yeah. everything. But you know, the guys there are not nuts. You know, yeah. they may walk around with the guns because they work around the gun case, but I don't care. You know, and there's a guy there. He's he's probably at seventy now, and he is the he's the Yoda of guns. He is they he's forgotten more things than they printed about guns, and he's a cool guy, right? And um, a matter of fact, I went in there looking for something, and I was like, well, yeah, I'm an Idaho boy, but I live in London now. He's like, London? What do you want to live in London for? I'm like, well, I'm there for work. I'm married to Gal. I said, I still have property here. You know, so I still consider myself an Idaho boy. Goes, oh, I don't, yeah, you better watch some terrorists in London. You know, it was after London Bridge, after oh, yeah. that went down. And I said, think about this, mate. You know, London's a really big city. And those guys jumped the curb to the time they were dead on the pavement was 11 minutes. Yeah. And in London, I said, do you really think... Coraline, Idaho's finest could get from one end of this town to the other in under 11 minutes and execute people like that. And he kind of went, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I was in there. It was funny. There was a guy in there and he was at the counter and he said, um, what gun would, uh, uh, would protect me? What's the best gun I can have to protect myself from a bear, a handgun in the woods? You know, yeah. there's people like, I'm going to the woods. Well, there's been bear sightings. And there's always been bear sightings and stuff. You just take pepper spray. That's where they live. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, you just walk in there and go, well, I don't remember inviting you. you know? So, <laughs> um, and it was great. The guy looked down at all the guns and he looked looked at the guy and he went, none. None of them. None of these will kill the bear. I mean, they will die eventually, but you'll just piss him off and he'll eat you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll die first before yeah. anything happens. Yeah. That's what he told the guy. And the thing is, it wasn't like... You know, he could obviously make the sale right there, but he went, no, no, you know. And uh, the guy goes, well, come protect me. He goes, well, you know, we have some of these, you know, and he's pointed to, you know, 30 odds hunting rifles that'll drop a bear. Well, I don't carry that backpack. And well, get some pepper spray. It's over there, <laughs> you know. Because yeah, that's, that's, I think that's America or maybe society in general is we're just looking for that silver bullet, that magic button, you yeah. know, that 
just just give me just give me the give me the vaccine and then the world will be set right tomorrow kind of thing yeah you know let me take the pill and i can keep smoking and drinking you know yeah. i don't have to change my lifestyle i want you to fix it that's it you yeah know? no responsibility some, yeah that, that's my big problem right now i think in the last year or so is the world in general and definitely america has no accountability and has no mercy yeah so when you do go wow i fucked up i shouldn't have done that the world turns around and goes yeah i was right you were wrong no the world should say that's all right man we all make mistakes you yeah. know let's learn and move on so yeah i think that's i think it's a big issue and yeah. um and i don't see any way for it to resolve itself i don't i don't know i don't know no. what to say to that it, you know? seems, oh. yeah, it seems to be it seems to be getting that like you've just said seems to be getting worse it's more people are almost excited to go yeah yeah you fucked up that means it's you're taking the you're taking the light away from me you know because i'm i'm perfect it's you you're the fucking idiot you fucked up let's fucking burn him <clears throat> You know, yeah, it's you know, it's 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 like the you know the, a great way to poke the bear is just bring up Brexit, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know those fucking Brexiteers, guns and races, and uh, and I go, well, I know some people have voted out, and their reason was like, well, okay, you know, and, and three of them are black, yeah, <laughs> you right, know? so yeah. I mean they're all business owners and they're running into problems trying to confirm you know conform to the EU and and you know i i mean you look at what's happened in this country regarding you know something as simple as sheffield steel i mean i've got a garage with you know i build all kinds of stuff in there i got wrenches back there made in sheffield and if i went back up to the factory you know if i found the building where it was actually made there'd be no wrenches being pumped out it'd be at best maybe a cafe to get me a gluten-free bagel and some avocado slices so <laughs> um and and so it's not, you know, it's not governments, it's just businesses on that end of that. And, yeah. and the EU, EU is a fantastic idea. Oh my God, what a great idea. Bring all these countries together. And you're okay, cool, great, let's get them together. And then you start adding on to that pile and adding on to that pile. And you get to the point and you're like, you, you almost had a table going, I'm sorry, who are you? Who are you again? <laughs> yeah. Why are you here? Oh, because I can make vacuum cleaners in, in your country for like 10 bucks as opposed to 15 bucks here. And so, yeah, I don't know. I mean... I, I think Cameron fucked you over. I think, you know, yeah. France has never been a fan of you. It, it's been a long time coming. There's a really great book I read called How to Lose a Referendum. It might be on my desk somewhere. That kind of, written by two guys who voted to remain. And it was just really laid it out how how things were going downhill for a while. And, yeah. you know, and people that voted in in 1975 voted out now because they didn't feel like they got the deal they wanted. And yeah. So, yeah. um so I don't know. I don't know. There's no, you know, if they want to get back in, that's great, you know. Um, but if you're burning up a lot of energy, just blaming Brexiteers for everything, I envy you. I envy you that you have the time to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, the rest of us are just hanging on by our fingertips. Yeah, trying man. Trying to survive, I'm, man. I'm just trying to feed my family. I'm trying to get some yeah. writing done. I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So I, I don't want to be lectured to. Please, you know, <laughs> please, please stop. And please don't bring that whole... Fucking, I mean, I was trying to explain the class system over here to my American yeah. friends, you know, because we have we have privilege in America. We have white privilege, obviously, because mm -hmm. the whole country is based on certain levels of racism and yeah. that we are, are have a real problem with. We, you know, we're denial or, you know, ignorance or just ignoring it. And, and over here, you have your issues as well, without a doubt. I mean, you just paid off all the slave owners in 2015. Which is crazy you know to me. I can't yeah. believe that was a thing. I know. I know. I know. Like, you oh. know, somebody in accounting went, okay. Well, <laughs> got that done. <laughs> well done, guys. All right. Well done. You guys Another. got your money. All right. All righty. Another job, job. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, every black person here is going, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. What? Yeah. what? You know? So, and you know, what's, what's crazy is there's a really great book about Lincoln during the, the beginning of the Civil War. It's called The Fire Beneath or something like that. It was written by a, a Lincoln historian. And the slave owners in America in, you know, 1850, late 1850s, when they're going, hey, man, you got to get rid of your slaves. They're like, okay, well, you got, you know, if you, this is a huge financial investment, which I, you know, understand. I mean, mm -hmm. each back then, a, an adult male was worth about as much as a sport, you know, a sport utility vehicle, you know, like 35, 50 grand. Wow. So to them. And yeah. so, um, like, if you, um, if you reimburse us for our investment, we'll talk about setting all these people free. 
like they did in England, like, you know, give us some money like they did in England. And, mm -hmm. um, and Lincoln said, no, we can't do that because it'll bankrupt the republic. We will, the government will be no more. We have no more operating funds and we won't. And I refuse to take out a bond like they do in England. So that was the end of that. And, wow. um, and I also love the fact that people argue that the civil war in America wasn't about slavery. It was, it was about economics. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, and you go, <laughs> uh, yeah. no, no, it was about slavery. And if you want to change the narratives and make it sound like it was about economics because they were essentially working for free and the North didn't like that, that's, you can call that economics, but it's still fucking slavery. Yeah. And, and also the, um, there was a big problem because in the U.S. is the U.S. government can't dictate policy to individual states. So the states are trying to bring that up going, you, you know, you can't tell us what to do kind of thing. Yeah, right. And another big deciding, deciding factor was the southern states wanted to make it legal to own slaves in the new western territories. And the current government was not going to allow that. So one thing led to another and boom, boom, Fuck. you know. So, yeah, that was 1860 and it went on for a whole bunch of years. And then... Um, and then of course they 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 freed everybody and um and it yeah. it kind of you know they never got the 40 acres and a mule you ah. know and, and then the black community decided well we'll just form our own little own little communities and stuff and yeah you know, form our own little lending systems and of course white people were amazed that black people could be so fucking smart and um and they did they set up i mean they had the black wall street and all that and of course that pissed off a bunch of white folks so we had the massacre in tulsa oklahoma and nobody's ever charged with that wow. you know we had jim crow days we had it went on and on and on and the yeah. um and i love the fact that I, anytime friends of mine in the states bring up oh, blah 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 yeah but that was in this is now that was in this is now you gotta let that go let that go which always makes me laugh now because the fact that we have to call it Potato Head and not Mr. Potato Head, like, why are you ruining my toys? And like, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine if you heard a story that your great, 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 great grandfather was butt fucked because he couldn't stay in line with the rest of the slaves and they, you know, and they hung your mom, you know, as a result yeah. of it? I mean, come on, yeah. you know? So, um, but I told a friend of mine, I said, wouldn't it have been amazing if after World War II, the almost million black GIs went back to America if they were given the GI Bill. The GI Bill was the ability mm. for them to go to college. They were denied that. They defended, you know, the free world, and they came back, and they still had to get them back at the bus. But wouldn't it be cool? All right, sure, you're not going to let them vote. Sure, you're going to make them ride the back of the bus. But just give them an education. Give them a free education yeah. for their, con you know, contribution to uh, World War II. And, and that held over into the Korean War in the 50s, you know. Just give them the GI Bill. And I said, and the reason... I say that as my dad was a Korean War veteran and he got the GI Bill and he got a degree in mechanical engineering and he went on, got a great job, provided for his family, bought real estate. You know, it's where I am now because of that. And yeah. I just think if you just would have given that just to the veterans from World War II and the Korean War, imagine how much further America would have been economically. Oh, man. Yeah. We could not let go. We could not let go of our prejudices and our yeah. hatred toward other races. Oh, so man. it's like the same here. I had this very conversation a few weeks ago <clears throat> and they were talking about, they were saying, oh, there's oh, every program on the TV now is, is black people. Every advert is black people. We're getting it shoved down our throats. Black people, this black people, that. Oh, it's, it's getting, it's, it's getting silly. And I'm like, but, the, the, but the, this has to happen. This has to happen. There has to be this change and you just don't like it because you're not used to it. But imagine growing up and all the movies are all full of white people was one black person in it all the tv shows one black person in it the fact that the the system the system when they say systemic racism they talk about the fact that like you said the 40 acres and a mule never happened even though so these people were freed but they weren't they were just cut loose and just left just like yeah. hey, off you go you're free you go yeah we haven't got any what can we do yeah you'll be fine you'll figure it out yeah and before you, know, you go leave that leave that shovel that shovel's mine yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got my name on it hey, fucking leave that shit yeah, but it, yeah. like and i was saying like over here like you don't get fam like black families standing outside of stately homes that were owned by their ancestors like it's all white people all the way down the line and that's why it's all fucked and that's why this change has to happen now and they couldn't understand it they couldn't get it no it's no you know, norm mcdonald on norm mcdonald was on a chat show and he said he was all about that he was all about that. he said oh, black people have no money They're poor and people up in arms and people like rang in and go ah oh, you're racist you're this you're that and he's like Prove me wrong then. Prove me wrong. And, and, and they couldn't. 
they, I mean, he might have worded it better, but, he, he, but what he <laughs> that's, said was, that's, that's, that's norm, isn't it? That's fucking norm. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like, you know, people make jokes about black people can't swim. The reason they can't swim is because white people wouldn't let them at the pools in America. Yeah. That's why, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and, you know, I have people I grew up with back home and they go, what the fuck is this white privilege, man? I'm like 60 years old. I don't feel like I'm privileged. And you just go, look, when three of your friends are hanging out on a street corner with in sweatshirts with the hoods up, do the cops pull up and shoot you? When you uh -huh. get pulled over by the police and the police goes, you have any weapons in the car? And you go, yeah, I have a gun right here. You know, <clears throat> what, what it invariably you know kind of melts down to is you and him talking about where they get the best deal on bullets <laughs> you know yeah yeah you walk into a bank they don't you know they think oh this is a guy here for a loan that oh is he gonna rob us i mean and it's all i mean i mean look at this you know the crack epidemic in america um all you ever saw on the news was black people smoking crack black people mm. black crack babies black this black that. did you know that two-thirds of the people addicted to crack were white did we ever uh, hear about that? No. no, man. We had to make it part of the black prop. So my, my son is black, so I'm trying to raise him with his eyes wide open. Um, yeah, your parents are white. Yeah, we had a we had some we had some benefits because of that. And so we're, we're going to do everything in our power to make sure that you have the same kind of choices, the same kind of, you know, I don't know, the same kind of things available to you mm. that will help your life. And and give him a leg up as best we can. And yeah, we're going to run into racism without a doubt. And, um, but, and it'll be fun to, you know, when they watch their, his, his white dad walk in. Now I, and the other side of that, I, you know, because he's around two white people, I don't want him to be afraid of black people either. No, <laughs> you, no. know? <laughs> you know, so we've been, you know, we, we try to mix it up as much as possible. And um, I mean, it's all we can do. I mean, it's, you can't protect your children from everything. You have to just give them the tools to be able to try to deal with it. Yeah. So, uh, and that's why uh, he's going to learn everything I know about shooting guns. <laughs> Do you know what? Though? This is what I like about you, is that on the on the on the surface, you're very you're very. But we've we've talked about this before, where you're very your guns and I build bikes and I and I climb found I climb ice. Ice, uh, frozen, frozen, frozen waterfalls, and you know, and and you and I do all these manly things, and blah, I'm a fucking dude. But then, because I know you and have gotten to know you over the years, there's this other side that people don't people don't realise that there's more to you than fucking manly pursuits. You know, like you're a like the the trombone. Just when I found that out, when I it fucking blew my mind. Yeah. Yeah, do you, do you still practice? Do you practice every day? Oh, yeah. I mean, I can, you know. Go on. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, I can still. Yeah, I can still man. buzz it. By the way, <laughs> shooting guns. Oh, hang on. It's gone. Hang on. I think that trombone. Uh... <laughs> blown it out. I don't know. Dave's still connected. Oh, there, there he's he back. He's back. Hey, man. Sorry, you disappeared for a minute. Oh, there I am. The trombone playing, it froze. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded great, but it froze the picture. <laughs> and then you went. I think uh, Zoom has never had a trombone at that level blast. Yeah. Down. What the fuck is this? <laughs> this is what brought right. on the towers. <laughs> shut down, shut down. Uh, you're talking about uh, shooting guns. Yeah, no, I was going to say, um, yeah, okay, I, I own guns. Um, I grew up with guns. I don't think, I don't, I don't, I don't it's not a big deal for me and um and then um i mean it is for here because you guys don't have any and where i grew up everybody had them we didn't show them off we didn't carry them we didn't we went hunting you know but most of my friends hunted for subsistence and then um yeah you know i know how to work on cars and motorcycles like climb frozen waterfalls but women do that too yeah. <laughs> you know? and yeah, probably true, a lot man. better than me you know so especially your fat ass now <laughs> yeah yeah so um yeah i'm into all that the uh, um uh and it's not i'm not trying to prove anything everybody i grew up with was into that kind of stuff so you know i had good company um yeah we were we were competitive you know we came to climbing and things like that i used to shoot competitively you know but yeah i mean my dad being a mechanical engineer um taught me i mean i wish i were to learn more I, I i didn't pay attention as much as i should have and and climbing frozen waterfalls is just, you know, something, I don't know, I just got into, you know, yeah. camping. 
winter camping, all that kind of crap. And, I suppose, um, yeah, it's where you grew up, like you said. That's just what you did. It's yeah, it's a product of your environment. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I am, um, so my friends post on Facebook, you know, them climbing and skiing and snowboarding. It just, it just kills me, you know, because when where I grew up, skiing was not a middle class thing. You could, you could be dog shit poor and still go skiing. Yeah, right. Um, there, there, there was five ski hills with an hour's drive. It was cheap back then. You could go to a charity shop and buy boots and pulls and skis for like fifty bucks. You know. Wow. And I'd, I had friends when I do that, and they would wear they get they wear motorcycle helmets on the ski hill and just <laughs> and wear jeans. You know, wear the worst <laughs> possible gear, and yeah, and then drive drunk home. I mean, it was just it was a time in in our in our lives that it was great. It happened. We're lucky to be alive. It will never be like that ever again. No. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I was part of lucky enough to be part of the kind of the Western comedy scene in America because I started in the '80s, and um, it was some of us have been kind of recounting that and how we now realize that we're older and we see what comedy's evolved into, and there's a whole whole crop of comedians who've never known life without stand-up comedy in their in their world, and and people go, "You doing what?" What? What is that? Yeah. What? You know, and all you had was, you know, you had Tonight's Show with Johnny Carson, later Jay Leno, and then you had the uh, Late Night with David Letterman. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> that, there was, you know, I remember the 90s, they had the MTV Half Hour Comedy Hour, which I did, and they had Evening at the Improv, but there was no panel shows. There was none of that. All the sitcoms went to actors, proper actors. <laughs> and then they started handing that shit out to the comics, and they, a lot of them made money, and most of them, nothing came of it. And But, um, so yeah, there was no, we were just like, oh my God, we are getting paid to do this. How <laughs> fucking cool is this? And yeah. we thought we were going to live forever, man. You know, <laughs> it was, it was, we would drive hours. I mean, cause out West, I mean, God, you would drive from my house in Idaho down to San Francisco, 14 and a half hours. I'd do it in one push, Fuck, man. You know, wow. it was 18 and, a half, 18 and a half hours to L.A. Just do it one push. Get up in the morning. Come on, let's go to L.A. So you just drive just to L.A. Yeah, just wow. go. So that's the difference when we talk about, like, when you when American comics or Canadian comics talk about the road, I'm a road comic, it, they, they, what they mean is that, 21 hours to a gig, 14 hours to a gig. Yeah. Whereas here, I don't. we don't really use that term road because you're kind of there and back in a, in a day. You kind of go, oh, it's three hours there, it's three hours back. You know, it's not, you, you can't really, unless you, even when you, when you, you stay out, you know, you're in a hotel for the night, still doesn't feel like you're on the road. Oh man, I used to, <laughs> I mean, the longest I was on the road without sleeping in my own bed was nine weeks. Wow. And I drove from North Idaho across Montana into the Dakotas, North Dakota, did gigs, drove up into um, Winnipeg, Canada. Did gigs there and then drove west through Saskatchewan and Alberta and British Columbia out to Vancouver Island and then down oh. into Seattle through Portland, San Francisco, L.A. and came back up through uh, Nevada. And when you didn't have gigs, I slept in my car, you know? <laughs> yeah. That sounds amazing. Uh, yeah, I would I, love I, to have done that. It was, you know, and we were just kind of like, yeah, all right, whatever, you know? And it yeah. was, everybody did it. It was nuts. It was crazy. And, and we had... And there were some really, really great comics who didn't have any career goals. They just thought, wow, we're getting paid for this. Let's. Yeah. I remember so many times, which I can do it now, which I would leave the house with a full tank of gas and $10 and be wow. gone for, for like eight weeks or six weeks because I knew the gig that night paid cash and I had yeah. a hotel. So I would, you know, I would wash clothes in the bath and fill the tank and keep driving. And, um, you know, in the eighties, there was there was there was there was drugs and there was women and it was it was nuts. It was nuts. <laughs> and um, there was there, there was no internet. There was no no revenge porn. There was no you know nothing to. The, the worst thing that could possibly happen is you would go home with a girl, wake up, and there would be another comic's eight by ten photo on her on her wall, and you're like, oh shit, oh my god, you know that guy? You're like, yeah, you know him? No, I have to go. I have to go now. So. <laughs> different times man it's a different time oh uh -oh. hey hi, man hi. say hi your wave hey how you doing good to see you <laughs> he can't hear you oh, oh yeah you got your yes, headphones you on hi. what he's asking about is um you know i've been doing quotes on the garage 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I really like the Harpo Marks one the other day. Yeah, not people would get that. Yeah. But the, um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so I've been putting uh, a year ago, a little, yeah, about uh, almost exactly a year ago, um, I put a quote up on the garage. Um, I don't have it here anymore. Anyway, it was a, a Winston Churchill uh, uh, quote. Just a real simple thing. Because everybody's like, oh, my God, you know, this is the end of the world. It's the new Spanish flu. What's going to happen? Are we going to live? And um, so I put a quote up on the garage. And okay. and I thought it was kind of cool. So then, you know, I put put another quote up. And every every three days ago, I would just change a quote. And my garage door is black, and I put it on chalk. So you wipe it off and redo it. And so I just kept doing it. And then... Um, after a few months of this, I, I I ran out of chalk, and so I put up in the deal. Go, I've run out of chalk. Um, thanks, you know, whatever, you know, and uh, it's been fun. And so I left that up for a couple of days, and then somebody wrote in chalk, um, "We the people of Kingston would like an encore." Wow. Um, please. And I was like, oh, that's kind of nice. So I posted that, and then I had the garage door open. I was working on on some uh um some bikes and this guy said did you really run out of chalk i'm like well yeah you know and he goes goes i and he goes i'm an essential worker like i could give a shit but <laughs> you know and i but the quotes really kind of cheer me up i look forward to seeing the new one you know every couple of days i went oh okay so he goes away and he comes back with chalk wow so and then another person brought me two more bags of chalk then i got some more chalk <laughs> from some anonymous somebody hung a carrier bag on the on the knob and the on the uh the little door handle off my back gate for more chalk and i went all right <clears throat> so i just kept doing it and yeah. um through the lockdown and i was i didn't try to get political i didn't write you know black lives matter or you know yeah. all, any of that kind of stuff or you know hooray for biden trump's a cunt any of that kind of stuff yeah. i just kept it you know like some people read into that read it well, i was a bit liberal and i'm like that's on you man that was yeah just, so your you interpretation know. yeah yeah it's your interpretation of that so a year goes by, and this morning, uh, my son goes, Daddy, you know, somebody out the back gate, so open the gate. And what happened is somebody had dropped um, that a jar of, of cookies and a little potted plant and a note that said, thank you. Uh, it was a gal from America. She goes, I've been, it's been a really tough year, and one of the things that kind of helps me get through it is, is your quotes I've been reading on your garage, and I really appreciate that. Wow, man. And so I've gotten a lot of that. I've gotten people stop me in the street going, oh, I like your quotes. And, and um, But I did it for the community. I didn't do it for necessarily for Facebook or Twitter or try mm. to – I think I maybe got like five new followers, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I did it for the community. <clears throat> I did it for the community, and it's really kind of brought people together. So people th – because I'm at the door open, I'm walking out the back all day, and recognize, oh, okay, that's the guy who puts the quotes on the garage and stuff. And, and so, yeah, I am – it's kind of brought our little neighborhood together. There's about five roads around here. We all kind of gotten to know each other. And I'm the guy with the quotes on the garage. And um, and I'm all about the community thing. Yeah, I'm all about yeah. the community thing. So, um, you know, yeah, I'm not smart enough to do a podcast, I guess. <laughs> well, I have to get someone to help me. I wouldn't do this on my own. This shit wouldn't come out. But it's but all that's right. the thing. This 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 during this last year, I think it's really shone a light on. I've said this before on how fragile we are us our our environment is us human beings and we really need now more than ever to come together and doing little things like that like putting the quotes on the garage door doing this podcast talking to people it's just doing your bit just to just to keep people just to do a nice thing keep people trying to put positivity out there rather than just oh it's all fucked we're all fucked you know yeah just doing your little bit Get another voice in your head rather than the one that's already there. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, I mean, I've had a couple, probably two, two and a half dark moments in the last year. And, mm -hmm. um, and I never, I never put anything on social media because I don't want anybody to read that shit. And because, you know, thoughts and prayers don't get you through it. Nah. And in the end, you start start embracing some of the ideas behind cognitive behavioral therapy where you're trying to get out of that that bubble you know that echo chamber and um <clears throat> and then once that starts filtering and you start realizing okay you know you know I, i'm not saying you know taking your own life is 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 the worst thing you know but i mean i don't know i mean you know i um you think about it and it's funny said somebody said the other day they go well geez dave you got suicidal i bet you just go climbing and figure, fuck it, I'm going to go climbing. I said, yeah, but the problem with that is I'll be halfway up a route going, 
okay, how to do this? And like, I'm fucking burning, but I really want to learn how to do this. <laughs> you know? So if I fell, I'd be pissed off if I fell. Not like, yay. I'd be like, fuck, I really want to learn this, you know? And um, so one of the things I, I did a, a Zoom open mic, and you know, I think it's important to keep your mind active and work on material. And yeah. And I said, I think one of the things I'm trying to work on is anybody who might have thoughts of, um, of suicide or, you know, taking their own life or, you know, getting down, you know, I hope they call me and, um, and if they go, geez, Dave, I don't think I'm going to make it here. And, you know, like, well, if you made up your mind, I'll come straight over right now and I'm going to help you write the suicide note. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, if you're going to go, at least make it entertaining for the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, the first, yeah. the first flourish. First page, read something like, it was nobody's fault. And the second page, just go, here's all my passwords so you know you can get into my accounts and take care of my affairs after I'm gone. And then change all the passwords to, I blame Julie, or <laughs> the dog told me. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Just to make him go, please, is that really, you know. Because I, I, I think there's a, there's a point where somebody said, oh, there, there's some t you know topics in, in comedy that are taboo. And I'm like, look, if you can make you make fun of it, you know, mm. you know, good on with you. I mean, yeah. I've gotten in my fair share of trouble and I used to really push it years ago. But the problem with that is you get the respect of your peers and, and then nobody hires you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, he's really edgy. Where's he? Yeah, he's really no, edgy. Where? And, and no, where? Yeah. No, where? really. So, um, yeah, he's really out there. So, um, so out there. He's not, he's not in here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's always fun to take it out the edge and bring it back if you can. Um, I mean, like, what's it happened a little while back at a guy at the comedy store in London? Yeah, it's like, I'm an American. Any American? She goes, Woo, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, where are you from? She's like, I'm from Boston. I'm like, oh, I hate, I fucking hate Boston. And I said, what are you doing here? She's like, I live here. And I go, do you like London? And she goes like this, right? She goes, I love London. Right. And me, because I'm a comic and I have no filter, I went, yeah, London's great. I mean, you know, at least the marathons are safer. Fucking <laughs> hell. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> is that a short gig? Is that a short gig? And the crowd booed me. Yeah. And I went too soon, too soon. And um and I looked at her and she was crying. Oh no. And I said, Are you alright? And she went, That was the worst day of my life. And then this little voice in my head went, Fuck, it doubled down. Fuck. So I went, Wow, were you friends with one of the bombers? Oh. And um oh. the great mm. thing about British crowds is they went, Ooh, but they were laughing when they did it. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I mean, it's a risk. Yeah, there's, there, there's that. There's that without a doubt, you know. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I used to, you know, um, I used to, well, it still has been on stage in so long, is you would follow an act, like an MC or whatever, and they'd bring you up. And let's say that MC was gay or, or black or minority, and they'd have 20 minutes of about being Asian or 20 minutes about being a lesbian. And it's all funny. It's all great. Don't get me wrong. And and I used to like go up and go, and I, go, what are they and I, go I go, thank you, gay girl, you know? Yeah. And people like, woo. And I'm like, what? You didn't know? You know, I mean, it's kind of like, I just had 20 minutes of really funny gay stuff, and I just said, thank you, gay girl. So it's kind of like, oh, you're gay. Oh, you can't say that. Only I can say mm. that. And you're like, well, you know. Yeah. So it's the intent, isn't it? it? It's the intent. You know, yeah, you know, but my intent is just to get out of there alive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, as an American living over here in Europe and the UK, I mean, we are constantly the butt of jokes, and it gets so boring. Yeah. You know? Aren't Americans fat and stupid? And here's an American, Dave Fulton. Oh my God, he's not fat, and he looks like he's read a book or two. Yeah. So yeah, just it just I, I'm just I'm bored of that, you know. Yeah. So we have to get right back to where we belong, making fun of gingers. So uh, <laughs> it's a lot. Of, I still I still blows my mind that that still happens. I'm like, really? Are we still uh, still there? All right. Uh, but going back to what you were saying about suicide. And I was surprised when we talked, we've talked about that the other, the other week when we had a chat and it's more people have had, there's a stigma, more people have had suicidal thoughts than haven't. I think it's a, there's a stigma attached to it. It's like that kind of, you're, you're obviously mad if you've had suicidal thoughts. It's like, sometimes we just like, oh, fuck this, man. I'm oh, fuck it. I'm, I'm going to go. Fuck this. This is, this is bullshit. But you never do it, but you think it. 
And I think yeah. people need to realise that, yeah, you don't, this, this comes up a lot actually on here. You don't really want to do it, but you want the pain to stop, which is why you're thinking, fuck, if I just, if I just go, then this won't hurt anymore. And that's, you bring it out in people, Rich. You bring it out. You yeah, bring out the suicide thought. <laughs> um, I, I think, I think it's, I think it's really healthy to express mm. that. Um, yeah. But it's also, you have to, you have to temper that on who you express that to. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I mean, there's the, you know, the helplines you can call up and go to get about doing it in, you know, and you get some voice the other end going, um, you know, come on, don't, or, you know, or, mm. or whatever, or I tried it or something like that. And, but I think if you just got past the idea that everybody, a, a majority of people think about, think about, you know, cashing it in. And, um, cause you do think, you think, oh, you know, what's the use? Mm. And, um, thing is, is I've come close to death a couple of times, uh, climbing and, um, and it's it's pretty amazing <laughs> really uh, yeah um i mean both times were unintentional yeah. um obviously the first time was in 1992 i was trying to climb mount mckinley in alaska and um we were the deal is just you acclimate to the the altitude you you carry your loads high and then you sleep low carry high sleep low so and we're you've got a you know you've got your rucksack on you got your skis on and you've got a sled that you're pulling. The sled usually is about 80 pounds worth of weight and of climbing gear and all kinds of uh, paraphernalia. So we were, my partner and I, we were going out something called the um, uh, the West West Rib or whatever, West Buttress. And <clears throat> we're going up the, the Kahiltna Glacier. And so we, we carried up to the top of this thing called Motorcycle Hill. And then across and jumped, our, jumped a whole bunch of gear, like ropes and gear and just tons of shit. So all we had was ski poles, crampons, and an empty rucksack. And we're coming down this ridge. And um, it's beautiful, by the way. It's, and, and the reason we, uh, big storm's coming in, like a big mm -hmm. storm. And um, so we're kind of crisscrossing down this ridge because it's pretty steep. And if you go straight down, it busts your knees up. So you, you go back and forth. And um, so he was... He was ahead of me. I don't know why, because usually I was ahead of him. And um, so I was walking back and forth, and the wind's blowing like crazy. And you can see where the ice is. Mm. And the snow always collects in the low spots. So you see the little pockets of snow and stuff. And so I I step over this, and I stepped on this one section of snow that I shouldn't have. <clears throat> it was, you know, a snow bridge covering a crevasse. I stepped in, and I immediately dropped and I knew right away what it was. I knew mm. that it was a slot. Now, slots slots are a horrible death because if it's a pretty wide crevasse, you just drop down and crash and die at the bottom of it. And if it's a really narrow one, you know, you just get wedged in and get you up. But if you slot, you'll drop down partway, get wedged in at some weird angle, and you can't get out. Wow. And I knew there was a case of this guy named Chris. I can't remember his last name, which is sad. But um, he was climbing with another guy named uh, Wickwire, and uh, he was up in Alaska. He got caught in a slot upside down and oh. eventually, eventually died. And his partner couldn't get him out because he broke his shoulder or something. And um, it was horrible. And so when I dropped, I, I yelled my partner's name and just, you know, just was gone. And, and I just, you know, my arms came down and I went down in. And then at that moment, which seemed like a long time, <laughs> At that moment, my mind went, you're dead. Jesus. This is it. And I had a lot of things happening at my life at that moment. I had I had some personal issues. I had some career issues. So, you know, I was doing comedy, you know. I had some hypochondria probably, you know, <laughs> financial issues because I'm going to be up in Alaska for three and a half weeks not making any money. And, um, and I was just, you know, girlfriend issues. I mean, everything. And... Um, mm. And at that moment, none of that mattered. None of it. All that stuff. All that stuff I thought was so important. Yeah. Was just like, not even. I mean, not even a blink of eye. It was just it, like it never existed. Wow. And the only thing that sat in my mind was, my parents are going to be really upset that you know they're they'll never get the body back. But I was fine with everything else. I mean, yeah, I was yeah. literally fine with like I'm dead. This is going to bum my parents out. 
And that's, that's how that's how your brain went. You just that's what that, that's what you remember. And in like a flash, that's exactly what happened. And then suddenly everything just stopped. And um and I was my back was against the wall of the glacier and my right foot was had the crampon was was with the crampon caught on the other wall and I was like just stuck there and I like oh my god and I looked up it was about 20 30 feet above me and um so I put my other foot on so I could hold my yeah. fuck so fuck. it's it's it's, yeah. it's narrow enough for me to get my wall and bend my my legs against and I'm like wow and I remember looking to my my left and about you know five six feet over it was pretty choked with snow and then looking to my my right and about five six feet over it was so wide there was no way i would be able to you know Mm. be able to bridge it so um and then my partner poked his head through the 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 hole and he went holy shit are you okay and i went i don't know are you bleeding are you any have you broken anything he's pretty experienced in the mountains and i went no i think i'm good and we had no rope we had no gear nothing because we had it all up above and I'll never forget what he says. He looked at me and he goes, so what do you want to do, round eye? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I want to get out of here. And I said, is there anybody up there? And he's like, no, nobody's up here, man. Everybody's hunkering down for the storm. So I chimneyed out, you know, so I'm, you know, putting your feet against and moving up and then Fuck keep moving. Hell. So I chimneyed the 30 feet up. How long did that take you? It probably took me about 10 minutes. Yeah. Because I was making. It's still exhausting. Well, and I had to make really fucking sure that all my placements on my feet and everything, because below me, it just went dark. There was no, there was no bottom. So was there light where you were? Was it light enough to see what you were Yeah, doing? it was light yeah. enough to see because it went, it went white and then uh, uh, opaque and then light blue, dark blue, and then black. Mm. And um, we found out later that that particular crevasse is a quarter mile deep. So 1,325 feet. Uh-huh. So, uh, so I get up to the edge of it and he puts his, he braces himself and puts his arm in and I grabbed his arm and kicked up and rolled out the glacier. And, um, I remember I took, I took a picture of the hole and the hole looks like it's about this big that I just popped through. And, um, so I, I popped the tendon out on my, my shoulder here and we went down to our tent and there was a, um, somebody had built an igloo next to our tent, which is why we set up the tent next to there. And, um, so yeah, I couldn't lift my arm very far up, mm. you know, and um, so we we hunkered down. We had um, we had like sixty mile an hour winds. It dropped to forty below for uh or three days, and um, five feet of snow, you know, built up. He kept getting up and digging out the tent and stuff, and um, it was funny because I was reading uh, um, uh, Peter Matheson's at play in the fields of the Lord, right which is a story that takes place in the heat of a tropical jungle. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> just putting the book to yourself. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, the sweat was pouring off of the, Oh my God. I wish I was there. <laughs> yeah. So because of my, my shoulder, we decided not to do the route we were going to do, but we had to go back up and get the tools, which we did. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And then skied out and, um, uh, with a bad shoulder and, um, and eventually, and there was a lot of, there was 13 deaths that year. Fuck, up on, on McKinley, but not me. But uh, at that, how did, at how that, did you? How did you make? How did you feel afterwards? Your your outlook on life. Did it like? There's always that thing. Oh, it changed. It's no, I mean, you start realizing that maybe getting to the top of the mountain was not the most important thing. Um, I was pretty bummed because I've been training hard for this thing. I was bummed not mm. to do it because he said, "Well, we won't do the check direct you know, route, you know, maybe what we'll do is just the West Rib or West Butt. And he didn't want to do the West Buttress again because he'd done it before. And 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 he was not in, in that great a shape. Um, uh, and just, I mean, not that that was my deciding factor, but I just thought, let's, yeah, let's get out of here. Mm-hmm. No. So we can come back. It's just a mountain. It's not going anywhere. We can always come back. We never did. But um, yeah, so, you know, came home and um, it, was, it was pretty wild because I lost... I was in monster shape before it went up and, um, and I lost nine or 11 pounds when I was up there. So I came back. I look good. <laughs> yeah. 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 I had a, you've had I 11 had, pounds of shit when you I, fucking went down the hole. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I, I had a, I had a six pack belly and I was walking around and I'll never forget. It was a uh, end of April in Idaho. It was still kind of chilly for 10 days. So, you know, and 40 below. So, you know, 70 degrees felt like a tropic to me. And I was walking around with no shirt on and the girls checking me out going, look at him, man. Look at the six pack, you know? So uh, I haven't had a six pack since, by the way. 
but um i've never had a six pack <laughs> yeah well you know not on your body <laughs> not in the but, right um, place anyway yeah and then you know and then a few years ago i guess it's about oh, probably eight years ago i was in um in chamonix on the grand montaigne and i was doing some ice climbing with some guys and we were checking out some some stuff at the top of the grand montaigne and um long story short uh we triggered an avalanche oh, and shit. Uh, i got I got caught in an avalanche. It hit me. It, it it crowned above me. It was about four foot crown, and it hit me like a truck and knocked me off my feet. And and um, and it was pretty weird because I'm moving. Yeah. And um, but I'm inside the snow. <laughs> you know. I mean, I looked up. Uh, you're the right was, way up, and you haven't been like knocked. Yeah, over I, like. I was right way up, and I and I got my feet in front of me, and I remember my mouth was crammed full of snow, and I couldn't breathe, and I had to chew the snow up and spit it out. Um, while I was moving, I was moving and I realized, okay, I'm moving head. I think I'm moving, you know, face first. And I had a transceiver in my, my rucksack, but, and I thought, okay, when this stops and I get locked in, hopefully I can reach back there and, and turn that thing on. And just then I was falling, I was falling inside the snow and I knew there was like a 2000 foot drop off, you know, further Shit, down. And I man. thought, this is it. And, and then it stopped and I went, oh, Okay. And I thought, hope that doesn't happen again. And then it did. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh. I fell again. And at the second one, it was longer. And I went, oh, I'm I'm dead. And uh, I remember I got tossed around and I was and I was looking up. And then I turned around and I was actually half buried in the snow. And I was like, my torso was out of the snow and I was still moving. So it was pretty weird to be looking at the snow around you. And it's still, and you look off to your, your left and you see... The scenery going by, Shit, <laughs> you know, like, man. yeah. And I thought, oh, I hope this slows down. And then I looked ahead, and I could see I was still a little ways, you know, a couple hundred yards away from the big drop. And then it stopped. And um, so I, I stood up, got the snow off, and my partner, I yelled, "I go, Matt, Matt!" I'm looking around. I thought, "Oh my God, he must be buried around me," because he was off to my left. Yeah. And I hear this, Dave, and I look up, and he was on top of this this massive thirty foot high boulder that I fell off of. That <clears throat> the snow rolled me off. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. um, and he goes, "Are you all right?" I'm like, oh, "I lost my tool, man. My ice cold ice. I had one tool, and, and they're like three hundred bucks a piece." So I'm like, "Where the fuck is it?" Right? So I'm looking around for it, and uh, and he goes, "Yeah, I lost both mine too." And uh, so I come up to where he is. I said, well, "We got to find him." And he went, "Yeah." And then I went, "Or we can just get off this." He went, "Yeah." <laughs> and uh, so we walked off, and my buddy Dane was running down from the top of the lift. Because he saw the whole thing, and he said, I, I saw it hit you. I thought, he's dead. Yeah. You're both dead. And um, he goes, I don't know how you survived. I don't know why you're still alive. And so um, my buddy Matt, he he caught a cramp on his leg and cut it open. And I, I dislocated my thumb. Well, my thumb was all bent back, but it went back. But it's still really you know messed up. And then we see this the French ski patrol guy come up. And uh, we thought, uh-oh, we're in trouble. Oh, yeah, because you, you, cause you triggered it. Oh, yeah. Well, we were off-piece, and we knew we were off-piece, and you could be uh, off-piece, but, you know, fuck it. So he comes up, and he's wearing a, a red one-piece, right? And he's got glasses on, and he's tan, and he's got a little action belt, and he, shh, and he, and he goes, uh, uh, and I go, hey, bonjour, you know, and, and, and Matt's trying to speak French to him because he's Canadian, but he, he's an idiot, you know. <laughs> it was funny. He's like, we all do it with you, and I'm like, uh, yeah, and the guy goes, um, are you injured? And I'm like, no, no, I'm all right. And he's like, yeah, all right. And he goes, is anybody else in the center? We're like, no, it's just us. And he went, you are lucky. And then he fucked off. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man. And, Fuck. And we were, we were lucky. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, nothing like getting caught in an avalanche and make you kind of do a little inventory, you know? Fucking hell, man. So we had uh, fondue yeah. and beers that night. Yeah, I bet you did. Jesus Christ, man. Now, I knew this was going to be a good chat. I didn't know how good. Fuck, man. That's awesome. So, and I'm, I'm glad you're still here. I'm glad you're still here. Thanks, you man. You have to share these stories. Yeah, man. Climbing is, you don't have to think about anything else. I mean, you um, you know when you're on stage and you're just in the moment, you have those rare their occurrences that you can never capture, you know, where you can just, you can't capture it on TV or film or whatever, where you're just you know the audience you're in sync and it's yeah. moving and you're kind of come up with new stuff and and you come back you come off stage and you go 
you know, and climbing's like that. Climbing is, um, you're so in the moment and when everything's just working, it's just, it's just brilliant. And, and, and when I snowboard, same thing, you snowboard, you get down a steep, steep slope and it's got new snow on it and you're just cutting turns and you just want it to go on forever and you think you're going to live forever, man. So, yeah. and that's the thing about comedy. I mean, I think, I think all, all, all my favorite comedians never got into it with career goals. They never had a five year plan. They just did it, you yeah. know? And after a while they just kept doing it and they, and they were good at it. And 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 they were very lucky and given chances to do things that brought f you know great financial gains yeah. but um it's i'm always suspicious that he goes well i'm gonna have this and this and i want that and if i'm not on a you know hosting a a talk show or a panel show by after 10 years or my own netflix special then what the hell am i doing this for I'm like, I have nothing in common with you. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Yeah. I was just happy to be doing it. And then anything else was a bonus. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, I love, I love when people are going, what are you can do now? And you go, well, I'm, I like doing this. I'm doing all the clubs. I'm having a nice time. Yeah. But you got to, what about the next level? And you're like, ah, shit. All right. And you get caught up in it. You get caught up. Well, in I was it. Telling, I go, this is the next level. Yeah. You know, but we'll keep doing it. I like doing it. And I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing it. And I can't wait to get out there. And do it. Yeah. Somebody asked me, is there anything you're going to change when you get back out there? And you go, I don't know, probably. I mean, even before this happened, every time I got out there, I tried to change shit up. I remember I would get to the point where I'm like, man, I'm tired of saying this shit. And I would come up with new stuff. People go, oh, my God, you wrote a whole bunch of new stuff. And I'm like, really? Did I? All right. <laughs> I was just bored. Because after a while, as you know, you, you're, you're working and you start hearing this irritating noise in your head and you realize, oh, fuck, that's my voice. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, gotta, yeah, I gotta yeah. write a joke. Oh man, <laughs> this has been amazing, Dave. Thank you so much, mate. Thanks, Rich. I knew you'd be fucking great. This has been awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Insane in the membrane. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Made by DarkHorseDigital.co.uk. Shooting, live streaming, and podcast production.